Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly, unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me when I can scare him away from that Colorado logging camp is Gavin. (laughs) And this weirdo with me whenever he's not making demons with his mind is Hess. And we are here too, as we always are, delight and edify you, dear reader, with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, TV, literature, gaming from inside of the book and in the console and beyond. And on a rotating basis, we bring a monster into the shop, unknown to the other presenter, unknown to the other presenter, and present and discuss them for our own benefit and the education of you, the reader, at home. Uh, So, uh, before we get into uh, Gavin's got the topic this week, which I legitimately have not a clue. He's filled me in some random things about... The topic in terms of he doesn't know avoiding avoiding this or is it, should I go this direction or that direction? But I legitimately no clue, no clue. The gag remains. Nobody is doubting us, but um, you know, the, yeah. the, nobody said anything. We don't believe that the gag is real, but I I promise the gag is real. I have no idea what the uh, subject matter yeah, today they'll, is going to be. It's real today. Whenever you go, ah, oh, damn it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to like it or if I'm going to love it. I have no clue. Um, But before we get into it, let's jump over into... Oh, I I have a gag. Hold on. I have a gag. I got that I want to do. Hold on. This is is not going to work. This is not going to work, but I'm going to try it anyway. Um, Okay. I'm going to try it. Can you... All right. Here's it. Um, uh, Let us dive into... Okay. Was that at least audible? <laughs> no. No? Because this the wave no. the waveform is totally reasonable. I heard the A in vocabulary. <laughs> but anyway, um so what I have brought for the villainous vocabulary is a um is a word called impignorate. Impignorate. <laughs> I-M-P-I-G-N-O-R-A-T-E. It is uh, a verb from Latin. It is no longer used. It is obsolete and transitive. It means to pledge or pawn or mortgage. Mean, me, basically meaning to give something up in a transaction in kind of a collateral way. So if you pawn yeah. something... Um, or you mortgage it, you are impignorating <laughs> it, which I think I'm going to start using. Um, yeah, I'm going to start paying my monthly impignorance as opposed to my mortgage. <laughs> it's way more. It's way. It's way more satisfying. Uh, I'm yeah. going to write that on my ch- on my checks too. Um, <laughs> I'm going to write take this impignorance. Uh, Take this in ignorance, Cynthia. <laughs> yeah, Cynthia's. Yeah, Cynthia's good. What a what a bitch. What a bitch, Cynthia. <laughs> now that we've exited villainous <laughs> vocabulary, what um, yeah. what do you what do you got? How do you want to intro this topic? Uh, I'll do a what if you can imagine, but there's no real vague way to start it because you specifically have to be a homeless guy. 
sitting in a box during an urban deluge peering out of an alley in this um, story setting intro thing. Okay. So that just imagine you are that. A homeless superhero who's sitting in his box peering out of an alley and you see an old woman struggling with a young woman. Um, it looks like a perch snatching at first. Uh, your superhero adrenaline starts kicking. Uh, you run down the alley not knowing which one to pick. And as you get closer, you notice the old woman keeps saying meep, meep. It's the only thing she can say. And you think that it might be because she's being purse snatched. As you get closer, uh, you notice something strange about the young woman that you might recognize her. Uh, You feel like maybe she has hit you with a car. At one point in time, you don't know, though, because you're homeless and crazy and drunk. If this is Hancock, I'm going to be just... In, I'm going to be so furious. Hancock's not a monster. I know, but he's a homeless superhero. <laughs> yeah. But that's anyway, true. But continue. No, you'll never get it. I don't think anybody will get it. But when you get closer to the old woman, her wig falls off and she changes into a tiny, um, oblong, armed and footed creature that only has a mouth with large, sharp teeth. As it says meep at you, you realize that this is your sworn enemy, oh, the is. Oh, it's the Max, right. Right, 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 right. It's right, the right, Max. Right, 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 right. So put on your liquid television pants. They might not fit <laughs> because it was all the way back in 1995. <laughs> or maybe they maybe they fit even better because <laughs> each leg is 40 inches wide. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're wearing, you're wearing. They're called Jinkos, kids. They're called. They're Jinko. called Jinkos, kids. <laughs> and you just Google it. It won't. You won't believe it. Um, you will not believe. You will the, not even the, believe the hilarity of these pants. The tragedy of the giant pants. Uh, we did know back then that. So the monster is the the id is the monster you're you're, cover, you're is. covering. The is. I'm sorry. The is is the monster you're covering. Yeah. I S Z are are the is because it's a it is they are multitudinous right yes they're, they're, one there's of the main things about them is there's a fuck ton of them there is a lot of them there, yeah yeah okay um, fantastic from the show the Max that came from 1995's MTV's The Oddities yes so which also had Aeon Flux and the head on it if you remember that yes. They were part of the greater liquid television-verse. Um, yes, and it ran from April to June of 1995. The cartoon did. The comic book supposedly is still going on, um, hmm. but not really. <laughs> okay. uh, it was written and made up completely by uh, Batman and Lobo artist and writer Sam Keith. Now what? These hands, each as strong as a man, hungry as death. They will drag a man down to nothingness, to oblivion. And it's the general style and aesthetic of it is that big, uh, twisty overcoat, trench coat, 90s goth garbage where everything's like a spiral or dramatically caped everything is 
<laughs> is vestued in some type of trench coat. Yeah, his um his his style is extremely particular. He's he back in the nineties he did some um famous Wolverine covers. Yeah. Um it's a, it's an extremely like grim dark kind of bent uh, deep cross hatching, yeah. deep shading. Everything kind of looks like the crevices of it are the shadows of the crevices are crawling out from every nook and cranny and trying to like come out and get you, you know. Um, yeah. and his and his his style is sim- you know synonymous with those old Lobo um, graphic novels and this, uh, and this, uh, this, this Max comic book and show. Um, obviously, it, I don't, it doesn't translate as much into the show, but it is the show, the, the visuals, I, I'm sure you could tell us about it, but the visuals, I, because I remember, I think last year I listened to the, the podcast Wizard and the Bruiser show and they covered the Max as a general concept, not the is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they covered it a lot. And he's a. It's really like the the comic book, if I recall, is really just a a, a bra- total brainchild of the one guy. I mean, you know, a lot of comic books are. Yeah. The show. Um. I don't know if it was the first or not. Probably not. But the show included every type of animation that was available in 1995. It had rotoscope in it. It had um, motion comic type uh, animation. It had computer-generated animation. Yeah. It had every type that you could uh, do on that. It, It had, like, I think it had some flash animation, even. You killed my hostage. You killed my hostage! Yeah, if you look at it, if you think that, like, Quentin Tarantino was revolutionary in Kill Bill when he brings in the animation and the different styles of things into different scenes and, and flashbacks and things, well, uh, yeah, yeah the, the the Max animation did it way before, at least in a, in a full animation sense, where you yeah. went into, Because there are different realities in the Max, right? There's inside, yes. of, inside of the Max's head... And is yeah. the outback a real place, or is it a supernatural yeah. dimension, or is it a delusion of his, or, you know, um, I, I don't remember it nearly as well as, uh, you know, you will be able to explain, but I do remember that <laughs> you go to different worlds, and the the it, it's implied what the world is like based off of the quality of the animation style, so... You know, yeah. one will be kind of Disney-ish, and then one will be absolutely terrifying, and you know, one will be rotoscoped, and one will be—you know—it's all over the place. Yeah, when when he dreams, um, when he has the confrontation with the crap on in the hat, it's kind of like kids' cartooned animated. Mm-hmm. Dave. All named Dave. All named Dave. What do they want with me? Rip off that mask so your face all can see. Um, and it all rhymes. That entire scene, and whenever he's in the outback, it's kind of Sam Keith's dynamic uh, punching and slashing and um, hair in the wind craziness. In the real world, it's always raining. There's always a shadow across everything, um, because the real world is depressing and terrible. (laughs) Right. And, yeah, depending on what world the Max is in, the animation changes. The animation will change in the show for no reason, also. Like, he's in the back of the cop car. Yeah. Um at the beginning and the two the two policemen talking are the silhouettes of actual people. Mhm. 
just talking. He's in the back, like slunking down. He's animated, but the police are. And I, I thought that was amazing. Whenever I was a uh, fourteen, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. This um, came out when I was fourteen. I was obsessed with it. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> it is nineties as hell, uh, mm-hmm. but in but in a way that holds up because it's so unreal. You know, yeah, it, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Um, it, I wouldn't describe it as particularly dated because things are things seem to be in another dimension. It's it's fairly out of time, yeah. um, or a series of other dimensions. Really, I guess is how you, the way you'd think about it. But um, yeah. what is uh, well? What else is notable about what else can we are we forgetting to say about the Max? I don't know. It's a uh, the it, it, it was on for a few few years, I think, or a few seasons. Yeah, I can't recall. it had um, it had two seasons which were like already written. It had a right. beginning, middle, and conclusion. It wasn't like uh, episode. We're gonna or we're gonna get to one hundred and fifty yeah. uh, episodes. Yeah, not at all. TNT for it, the rest of our lives. It was yeah, too every dark commercial and weird. for it. Yeah, every commercial for it had a Nine Inch Nails song to it. So, like, just, <laughs> yeah. just specifically to appeal to you know who you are. Yep. And um, <laughs> uh, when it ran, what was I saying? Yeah, uh, it ran after The Head, which was another show that was oh, man, kind of interesting. Head. I didn't like it as much. <laughs> yeah, it was a guy with a giant head that had like existential problems. I don't remember. Yeah. I really, I probably watched a hundred hours of the head and now I can't remember a damn thing about it. Um, I can't either. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the head and the max were, was like an hour long time where it came up perfectly because we're just coming out of like mad magazine and toys right? and going into a more personal world where like, this is terrible. Being a teenager like this is terrible. And yeah, it is look a at very, this television show. It is a very, yeah. it is a very teen <laughs> Um, uh, piece of media, you know, because yes, everything is very young. People. Everything is very. <laughs> how would I say? Like um, Nine Inch Nails, dramatic. You know, everything is to the extreme. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the ma- the Max is kind of similar to Jason Voorhees in the sense that he represents like b- boiling masculine destruction. Yeah, you want to die with a man's gone. Not a little CC gone like this. You know what I mean? He's he's almost he's he's a little bit similar to Wolverine in that he's got like claws, but he's uh, and he, he just destroys things. But he's like a just juggernaut of destruction. But you know, is he wearing gloves? Is he wearing a suit? Is he just a purple yeah. guy? Or his are why is his teeth like that? He's he, he kind of implies that he's a superhero. But also, he's like a homeless mutant. It's the the show yeah. creates more questions than it answers generally. Yeah, it can be interpreted in so many ways. It's really vague, and a lot of people think that they have it, like that they've figured it out. But I don't think that you're supposed to. Okay. Um, but at some point, a bunny, a lampshade, and a human being melded together to become the Max. <laughs> Is and, that that's canonical? Um, like, a bunny, a lampshade, and yeah, that's being? canonical. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, what the hell's going on? I mean, what the hell is going on? The rabbit that Julie Winters rescues as a child, plus the lampshade, plus uh, the lampshade, 
as she puts it on the head of a homeless guy that she hit with her car becomes the max I see. instead of him dying. Well, is, yeah. isn't isn't it at least implied to some extent, or certainly I'm sure there are some theories that Max is really a psychological construction of Julie's and yes. that <laughs> yeah. it is he is a coping mechanism to deal with the threats of the the larger adult outside world um yes and that, but go and, ahead but somehow he knows all of this and like he knows that he's become a hero for julie and like that is his identity that yeah. he has to protect her yeah um, well, so yeah, if you're if you're um, driving in your car while listening to this and you have not you have no context <laughs> for the Max, you gotta you gotta pull over and um, just Google some images. <laughs> the Max with two X's is the way you get to it. Yeah, and you, when Max. you when and you I'm see the, sure to call it Mad Max a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, and when so you I'm when you when you see the guy with it's just like a purple pile of muscles with weird yellow like spike hands <laughs> um, that it, it kind of looks like strange '90s tattoo flash. You've hit the right. You hit the. You've yeah. hit, ding ding. You got the you, winner. Winner chicken dinner. Um, it is so visually evocative. Yeah. So um, it would help. It would help to also type MTV with Max. Otherwise, you're going to get Max the town. Right. Um, I, or, <laughs> or just cartoon or comic or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, what uh, what what can you what can we what is up with the is I S Z? Who are the is or what the are the is? Is are small. Uh, house cat sized as described. They're always bigger than a house cat. I don't know why they say that, but um, they're small, eyeless blobs with teeth uh, and a little torso and big, stringy, flailing arms uh, that kind of bend around. They have kind of like comically big hands. They have comically huge feet. Um, they're really fast. Uh, they giggle all the time and they speak, but they only say meep. Right, um, they're they're, they're kind they of will, little. They will say a series of meeps that'll kind of suggest what they're saying. Yeah, they're kind of little, just cute little eyeless cartoon, almost like, yeah, it, it's they're the they're until they um like go into attack mode, they're the the cutest little pointless little things. They're the most yeah. pointless little, just like throwaway, like <laughs> cartoon thing. And and unlike a lot of stuff in the in the show, they're extreme cartoon. They're more like Mickey Mouse. You know what I mean? They're, you could really just do yeah. like an, an oval head and a little little stick feet with a little oval coming off and a big grin, and you've got it. It's just, it's like you could draw one in about ten seconds. As opposed to yeah, the there Max are, or Julie or anything else. Yeah, in, in Max and Julie's worlds, um, there are two kind of is, which is the white is and the black is. Right. The, if you the remember ones, that. Yeah, the ones that you the, see generally yeah. are, um, yeah, they're they're white or off-white or bone white. Yeah, and they're, um, they don't have sharp teeth, but even though it says that their bite is dangerous, um, they are the apex predator in... The Outback, which is the land where um, Julie retreats to, to kind of be alone. But it's also suggested that this place exists for everybody. Like, it's called the Outback. It's called Pangea because it's this primordial um, existence that everybody has that they can go to 
to uh, either shelter themselves from the world around them or uh, cope with traumas. And their projection in the outback is always some type of uh, super being or um, exaggerated animal uh, or exaggerated um, savage tribal person or some type of uh, representation where they are better than their themselves in the real world. Right. Which makes it um, a dangerous place because everybody there is there because the real world is too harsh for them to live in. And so when they're in the outback, um, they become dangerous forces to the world that is the outback, which has things where, like, the most dangerous animal is the is. That's this cute little thing. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, and, I, had forgo- I had forgotten that they manifest in, in all sorts of different ways in the outback. Um, my my yeah. memories of the of the Max are not that in depth. <laughs> it's a big, big, vague world. Um, a lot of it, I think, is just based on uh, how a delusional person would cope with trauma. Yeah, absolutely. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, because especially like the lampshade becoming Max's m- superhero mask. Because like if you've ever stared at anything, <laughs> like going through a trauma or even having yeah. having like a panic attack, you know how special like one kind of thing that's sitting still is. It's like, <laughs> that's right. that thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Fixations on just yeah. whatever happens to be... Whatever is the, the the random swing of your focus lands on something during a traumatic event or, you know, if the, it, it can b- gain a, um, a massive and outsized, a disproportionate significance, which is, and then you look at Max's weird, what looks like giant buck teeth, and you're like, oh, it does look like he has like half a lampshade stuck in the bottom of his face. Which is like, yeah. sound, if you just <laughs> if you just hear us say that and you haven't, or you're not looking at what we're talking about. We will sound totally ape shit. <laughs> yeah. But just take just take my word for it. Just go Google it later. Um, yeah, it is. It's wild. I mean, it, in a way, it ha- everything in I, I, everything in the Max has. It's kind of like schizophrenia in that you know, yeah. in that it is. How would I say? It in total has a logic, but if you pull it into the quote unquote the world, it is absolutely yeah. batshit. But within within the well, that's that's actually where the the dark is comes from. Is they were pulled into the real world by magic. Oh, um, okay. Who, Mister Gone? The serial rapist murderer, who's the villain of the show, yeah, um, figured out a way to pull Julie's Izzes out of the outback and into the real world. And whenever that happened, uh, they became dark, like ink black, and their teeth became larger and sharper, and they certainly became more aggressive and cannibalistic. They'll eat each other. And do often, yeah. I'm trying to put together um, my my remembrance of Mister Gone, the the bad guy, the villain, uh, and it's a yeah. There's 
all kinds of Chinatown twists with him. He's <laughs> he's somebody's father. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I remember in Wizard and the Bruiser they discussed how complicated it is, and I th- and I think it comes from. This is another instance where the it's a little in a way it's like Highlander, where the creator of it is a is a very young guy who is. Um, uh, and it's why it, it works as a an ad, piece of adolescent media where there are these very atavistic teenage adolescent um, tones and um, symbolism for things. So it, it makes sense to a 14-year-old, to a 16-year-old, to a 17-year-old. Yeah. And this made an insane amount of sense to me because <laughs> I am a delusional um, escape into a world type of person. I really was back then, like to the to the <laughs> max. And <laughs> yes, and having the ability to fight someone else's delusions to to protect them that are physically manifested as small, defeatable creatures was awesome. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. <laughs> right, because it's it's not it does not it does not take much. It doesn't take you know, Freud or Immanuel Kant to look at the Max <laughs> show or graphic novel and ex- to to read that the is are meant to uh, stand in for or to demonstrate like <sighs> they can stand in for a whole bunch of things: anxiety, fear, delusion. Yeah. I don't want to step Denial on. Yeah, I don't want to step on. Is I, the big I don't, yeah, one. I don't. I'm not trying to like crack open the, a can that's like in your position. I don't know what your your take on. <laughs> I don't know if this is too early to like f- find the crux or something. But no, nah, I, I mean, that's the, all right. but it's, the, it's pretty vague. But a, a lot of signs point towards the is's are Julie's uh, coping mechanism of denial made physical manifest. Interesting. So. Yeah, and that, and then having them be the minions of the of the big bad evil guy and Mister Gone, um, yeah, is it's it's fascinating because it means that like deny denial is dangerous. That 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 yeah. not not well. That's the that's why they're twisted and evil in the real world. Yeah. Okay. So because right, it, like it not, can be right. dangerous to an extent if you overexert it into it being uh, right. a real thing. So and so yeah. so presumably, just <laughs> by the semiotics of reading the Max, if the if you must understand that the is are denial and that they are weaponized denial, then it, yeah. you, you the. That pl- that creates a very specific equation that is saying very something very specific about trauma and psychology. That the the yeah. most dangerous thing, the thing, the actual manifestation of psychological trauma is denying it. And so, yeah. when the Max is is tearing, you know, a hundred thousand of the is apart. And rend- rending yeah. through them, stomping them, ripping their jaws wide open, smashing them, punching his massive yellow well, spikes through he- their skulls. Yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. There's he always has a vision of that of him slashing through the is, and after these big fights, 
uh, what he wants to do is take his mask off huh. when he's done fighting all of the is. Okay. And that scene runs over and over and over again. Um, but he never can do that because there's always is. There's always Mr. Gone. Mr. Gone comes back to life like 50 times by what could be explained as real magic instead of just like psychological delusion magic, uh-huh. <laughs> which both things exist in the Max world. Right. <laughs> like, like there's actual magic where people can bring themselves back to life and cast fireball and like um huh. become a become the cloak that they're wearing but then there's also the world of delusional magic where whenever you're in the outback or the pangea you're a leopard queen right and a, and the leopard queen superhero and um both forms of magic are kind of vague and run into each other during the show but that's all right because huh. at no point should it be explained really <laughs> Right. I mean, I, you because you know this a lot better than me. Isn't there the possibility that I mean, isn't it possible that Mr. Gone is also symbolic and not not like a real person who Uh no, he is a real person. Oh, okay. That was that's hinted at at the beginning that he's not real, that he's some type of like uh, made thing, but it turns out he's real, and like he needs to be real for the plot to work. I so. see. I see. So, so yeah. uh, th- there is some mechanism by which we can determine that um, essentially Julie is is real, and the show is really from her perspective, and Mister yeah. Gone is real uh, on some level. You know, he exists in quote unquote the real world, and he is a real villain. Um, yes, he can. He with the ability to go into other people's delusion world and the shared Pangea world. Like Pangea is like a shared world, right? It's like for it's like everybody. A, yeah, it's like a collective unconsciousness, or you know, who who knows? Yeah. I mean, to, I, I I agree with you that the it, it's it's um all of this is theoretical. You know that it it the the thing is the thing that it is, but it is like. By which I mean, the Max is a series of symbols that are, it is a playground in and of itself. But obviously, it's really pulling from psychological symbolism, and it's pulling from some very, like, bedrock human ideas. You know, you're taking extremely, you know, I've been using the word primordial too often, so I'm going to try to jump past it and say, like, just... Well, it's correct. (laughs) Well, in this, this, you know, when you're talking about the outback and you're talking, uh, which is, you know, this symbolic other space that's like this prehistoric jungle full of bizarre alien monsters that... It is. It's. It's. It's got layers of Jungian psychology. It's got layers of all sorts <laughs> of very um, symbolic psychological concepts. So it's not. It's not crazy to say like, oh, this might be this or this might be that. But ultimately, it seems like the author of it, the creators of the Max, don't want you to be able to say, this is this and that is that. Like, the is being denial might be one of the only cases where you can actually snap something into place, right? Yeah, and they, um, 
Well, yeah, they become whatever they dress as, which would support my denial theory and, like, the general Oh, uh, okay. Theory. What are some examples of <laughs> yeah. that? Because I recall them wearing kind of, like, gremlin-style trench coats, but can you give me more yeah. examples of that that I will not recall? Yes. There's an old lady who mm, yeah. has kind of, like, Marge Simpson hair um, and a pointy nose. They become that old lady. They can also become... A lot of them become this, like... Uh, I don't know, skinhead kind of character, but right, wearing right, like right, right. Uh, sunglasses that only have one lens and look like date or not Data's, um, Jordy LaForge's yeah, eye thing. Right. <laughs> Hi there, my name is Douglas Rassensberger, and I'm the CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas's Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a color for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a color for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a color for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle quality 27 inch half guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield Iron Forge Cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Which is funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. And yeah, the Max, whenever he encounters these things, generally doesn't wait until they... Uh, take off their disguises or anything so it may look like that this homeless guy who has giant claw hands is pounding the crap out of an old lady <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and because the max can see them yeah and it and that also it is that is also playing with the mechanism of delusion of like uh, of of what is real um am I justified in all these behaviors? Everyone else, every, yeah. I'm the only one who can see through this illusion, which is a very schizophrenic um, puzzle to have to constantly deal with. Of There is an invisible reality behind this one that I am saving us all from is like how you become somebody who like bleaches the street all day with gallons and gallons of, you know, Clorox, right? You know, like, or, 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 you know, (laughs) sets every Mercedes that you see on fire because the demons in the back of your head told you to. I mean, the, the, the Max is very much a, a playground of, um, 
of psychosis and trauma of saying like, okay, let's take trauma and deviated thinking and give it a whole, give it a whole reality that is worthy of how complex it is to actually experience it. Does that make sense? Does that sound right to you? I don't know. You're yeah. like, I'm not, I, I'm not the authority on this, but it seems like the, the, the max is one of the only things where I've consumed it as a person who is, you know, I'm, I doesn't experience schizoid type things who does not have breaks from reality. <laughs> you know, I have my own relationship with reality that is not simple, but I, I'm, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have delusions. I don't get schizoid problems. (laughs) And it seems like the max really does address some of those core dilemmas of, well, this is only real to me and maybe me and this one other person. And then wait, is that other person real or are they a beautiful mind? You know, Paul Bettany mechanism. That's just like feeding my (laughs) bullshit back to me. I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. You know, so, yeah. like all of the essential yeah. problems of of reality breaks are cooked into the the story of the Max, and it's constantly saying like, "Well, if this is all real, then fine." You know, big if true, yeah. but if not, um, like. While you're, yeah, while you're questioning those things, the is is the mechanism that introduces, like, the urgency mm-hmm. to make up your mind yeah, you about gotta, it. you got to do something either, or else yeah. somebody is or is yeah. not going to get, I mean, there's almost, a, there's a joke there, is or is not going to get chewed, yeah, chewed yeah. up into a million pieces. <laughs> Actually, that implies a question to me is, are there instances where the, the is, like, destroy somebody or kill somebody or, yes. because I don't recall can you what yeah um it doesn't show it but the mortician that sews uh Mr. Gon's head back on is destroyed by the is because uh Mr. Gon is talking to him and he says something about some of you is over there some of you is over there right. well let me ask you this uh since i'm sure a lot of the dear readers will not know um, if Mr. Gon's head can be sewed back on, wouldn't that be a counterpoint to him being a quote unquote real person? Or is the or is this <laughs> well, a an instance know- of um, a genuine quote unquote magic? That's an instance of genuine well quote unquote genuine magic right. instead of like delusional magic. That he is he found a way to stay in the outback as a consciousness in essence until his body can be repaired in the real world in some type of, um, I think it has to be like, uh, not a, not a, definitely not a surgical real way, but like a symbolic way where he can jump back into his body and heal it with magic. So although Mr. Gon is a, um, a real person, in the sense that he yeah. is not a uh, he's not a conceptual construct. He is still super real in some way because he's he's not a reg- he's not a mundane person, and you know what I mean. He can he can do magic and he's immortal. So yeah. y- you could certainly say that he's more complex. He's not just a he's not just a guy that's committed 
a series of rapes. Like he is some kind of yeah. he's some kind of greater terrible force. And yeah, I don't know. I think we may have to. Well, we'd have to hit the pause button on it. We'll give it a year. Come back maybe in a year, Gavin. You can do Mister Gone, and we can really <laughs> like explode him and can, go like, all right, really tear into him. <laughs> well, that'd be. I mean, I appreciate that you did the is as opposed to Mister Gone because taking on taking oh, yeah. on a big bad evil guy whose whose top of the line piece of information is immortal serial rapist is not really a mood yeah. that I was ready for today. So um, no, I'd rather well, talk about the I've, little bite well, guys. Well, it's about the is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the is is a lot more uh, uh, consumer friendly. Talking about the is, I mean, they're they're very symbolic, but they are little creatures. What are they? What are they made of? What is what's in that little round head of theirs? Well. This is interesting because a lot of the times uh, whenever the Max defeats them, it's from like a spike punch and then they just become like a splat. Yeah. Um, which which kind of suggests that they're gelatinous. Yeah. Uh, just kind of uh, little blobs of blubber beings, but they're not because there's an entire... A field of is skulls in the outback somewhere. Right. That the Max goes to, and if they have skulls, then they have a skeleton. (laughs) Well, fair, (laughs) fair enough, fair enough, and probably guts. So it might just be an art style decision to make them splat. It's it's certainly easier to animate uh, just a splat. Um, Yeah. And uh, (laughs) yeah, but. I won't. I won't say that it's not significant. If if we discredit every piece of information in animation that is made because it's easier to edit, then basically you obviate the entire jo- the entire medium of animation. So um, everybody has three fingers. Yes. <laughs> well, they they must eat something because they have teeth. Yeah. No. No eyes, they... but wild wild amounts of tall, skinny, yellow, straight. Um, yeah, it's it's almost like when you imagine the the Joker from one of the the most famous um, some of the famous graphic novel covers. Some of the most famous graphic novel covers where his teeth are yellow and look to be about three or four inches tall. It's like it's like that yeah. except times like forty. You know, it, it's like uh, it, you know, I mean, this thing is about twelve inches tall. But its mouth is about twelve inches wide somehow when it goes all the way out. It is an impossible amount. Yeah. Of, it's 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 mostly mostly teeth. If anything, what they remind me of is kind of the Mausers from TMNT from the Ninja Turtles, except yeah. except instead of being, I mean, visually there's that they're about the same size. They're also white, at least most of them are white, and they they just kind of come at you mindlessly and bite you. But the is are. They're so malevolent. There, there's every yeah. every possible indication. The sound, the animation, the way they move, the decisions that they they make is really like implies that they are. Glee- it's like really kind of gobliny, like de- like sadistical devilry. If if that makes sense, would you agree with that? Does that make sense? Yes, that does make sense. They are. 
Um, a lot of what we said in the Imp episode can apply to the Id. I don't recall, other than being coming in like dozens and hundreds at a time, um, and uh, and uh, having kind of generic cartoon abilities, are they able to do anything? Like they don't they don't spit acid, they don't throw spells, they you know they're not psychic. Do they do they? Add- no, they can. <laughs> they can run and jump and land <laughs> because the great northern crabbit can run and jump, but it hasn't uh, mastered the ability to land. Or is that the slug? Oh, um, okay, right. What is what's uh, that? What's the, no? Wait, the crabbit can jump and land. Um, the the leaping slug. Oh, okay, okay. Um, okay. he's describing the creatures of the outback. Uh, there's a slug that can jump up to like right, right. 900 feet in the air but it's never mastered the ability okay. to land. Okay, you said that my brain my so. <laughs> brain suddenly went into into yeah. yeah, like the the trailer bedroom in 1995 and was like seeing something very yeah. particular. So uh, okay, right. That was yeah, that was a thing. The crabbit can jump and land. Uh, the is can run, jump and land and has no natural predators unless you count me. <laughs> And right. then the Max smashes yes. one, is how that scene goes. Yes. <laughs> there are many interesting species of predator and prey sheltered within the broad, grassy spaces and massed granite tarns of the outback. One of these is the outback slug. It can leap nearly a quarter mile straight into the air, but it has never mastered the ability to land. It has no predators. It is just stupid. There's a... um ecology in the outback where the is is the apex predator but what it mostly eats i would say are crabbits and the sicidens or pseudocins or p-s-u-s-i-d-o-n is uh this creature that is kind of like an ostrich except instead of an ostrich head it's just one big eyeball and they stare up at the sun all day and they are the physical manifestation of people who have had the real world wear them down to, like, autonomous, um, just, like, reaction bots who are so dissatisfied with <laughs> with reality that their physical manifestation in the outback is just this creature that stares into the sun all day. Huh. <laughs> so, interesting. As you're describing that there are winners and losers and apex predators uh, in the outback, it certainly implies that the psychological business of surviving either in the regular world or in reality or in the outback, you can fail at it and things can go poorly. Because it seems like, you know, you used to be somebody who was getting along. Maybe you were a Julie or something else. And then things went not the right direction and you ended up being one of those weird fucking things. What, what's the name yeah. again? How do you, how do you spell that again? Because it's, it's blowing my P S U S I D O N S Susadon. Susadon. Um, what a weird word. Yeah. The, the, the internet does not know that that's a thing. Okay. So, no, it it insists that you mean Poseidon, yeah. and then it'll tell you that those don't exist. Wow, but they're they're from the okay. Max, yeah, yeah. and it's the eyeball things. And some people are the Susadon whenever they uh, retreat into the outback. 
Um, they're, I don't think that they would permanently be Susadons because the is like traps and eats a lot of them. And then that, I think that would mean that like in the real world, you'd just become brain dead or something. Yeah. But, um, I think that it, it would just shove you back into the real world. If the is eats, eats your Susadon manifestation in the outback, because those are the rules that I'm going to follow. <laughs> As long as it sounds good, nobody's going to care what it's about. Is that so? Nobody cares what anything's about. Is that right? Who the hell listens to lyrics anyway? Dry up, tubbo. Um, Julie Winters is a freelance social worker, which sounded weird to me. Like, <laughs> uh -huh. freelance was always associated with me with, like, military things. But, um, no, you can be a freelance social worker, it turns huh. out. Uh, it, I mean, so, it, yeah. <laughs> it, is a, it is an interest. I... I I would not have known that, so I, it would have it would have sounded strange to me. Um, but yeah, yeah sure. Um, Sarah's is Sarah is the depressed teenager character. Oh, okay. I have a very mess. mild recollection of that. Yeah, she's a big she's a big part of it. Okay, her is she has is too, but the manifestation of those guys are flying pink things that have to be in water, and they have eyes, but their eyes are always closed. The Max's real name is Dave, and that's <laughs> as simple as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, the Max's real name is Dave. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, as, as, as like relevant as it is to have a real name, if you are a constructed psychological force the component that is the real man is a gardener named dave okay <laughs> i see i see the the part that is an actual person <laughs> the other parts like like we covered were um julie's spirit animal the rabbit that she found when she was a kid that ended up dying and um the lampshade that she covered the max in and i think there was like tarp too because she's scared of blue wet and then that sentence never ends because Mr. Gone always asks her, why are you afraid of blue, wet, and then she kills him twice. She's afraid of knowing that she ran over Dave and tried to hide him. <laughs> uh... And also other traumas. There's a bunch of traumas, which brings me to the closing thing that I would want to say about the is being um, the manifestation Possibly of denial, probably denial, um, sourcing from a trauma or several traumas or trauma in general. And here's a quote straight from me that I <laughs> would like to say is the traumas that define us can never be explained by us. Which is to say, like, um, Often people who suffer from trauma will ask themselves or other people, like, what did happen that night? What did happen? And it's a, it's a scary question that uh, observers could probably simply answer or people that know the story could probably simply answer. But any trauma, like genuinely strong trauma that happens to somebody will always be this force inside of their psyche that is constantly changing that you'll never understand. Like, take a car crash for an example. Like, the physics of the world change for a mm -hmm. split second in, in a car wreck. Everything is muted and nothing makes sense. And that moment could be stuck in your head forever. Right. And 
even though it could be explained by like uh, a truck broadsided you, broadsided, <laughs> blindsided you, <laughs> a truck, a truck loaded with cannons. No, broadsided. No, you're good. I, I understand. No, a, a truck. Yeah, a truck slammed into your car, and uh, the seatbelt saved your life, and you're okay. That can be explained, sure. But whenever you revisit it or try and understand it um, from your own point of view, it's always changing. It's it's a thing that you can always learn from. It's something that will always be with you. And will never be the same whenever you go back and think about it. And that's okay. Uh, Gavin from Oops All Monsters is here to say it's okay to never <laughs> understand your trauma. Because um, I don't think you're supposed to. Hmm. Yeah, that is, um... That's uh, incredibly uh, interesting. Because uh, when you use that when you use that example, um, I like I think of the uh, original movie called Crash by Cronenberg, not that like weird yeah. mashup piece not, of trash not from two thousand two. Yeah, sex crash, not racist crash. Yeah, right. Um, that is a that is about. <laughs> um, the guy from Mannequin gets into a uh, uh, a collision. <laughs> <laughs> you know. The guy who's yeah. the bad guy in Mannequin. Yeah. The guy from Mannequin. <laughs> and, and Casey Jones. Yep. Yeah. They, <laughs> from Ninja Turtles. They, uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and Patricia Arquette's sister. Exactly. There you go. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, they, they all have, they all have a bad week. And, um, and, that crash ends up being a an, an an exploration of how one one space like that the sexual and intimacy space is shoved on top of the trauma space as t- as like one thing where where yeah. the all of these characters can only relate to the other people who have had their their spaces shoved into each other such that um, everyone is, is experiencing it together. Where um, and and there you go. Only here on Oops All Monsters <laughs> did we make the Max into completely relatable to JJ Ballard's crash. Uh, yes. It's the same story. Well, in in both cases, hmm, uh, well, uh, is is there a Reader's Digest? Or is there a TV Guide synopsis version of that that I can that I can distill? Is that the the point? The point is that both of them are ex- examining or exploring the fact, the thing that you're describing, that um, it is truly in things that are bigger than one's self like a uh, trauma that cause that are that demonstrate that the computer cannot analyze itself it can in a in yeah. passive instances right you can you can sit in therapy and say like i can observe this piece and that piece and them moving in relationship to each other but certain things uh you know things that happen in childhood or things that happen in this context or that context or that cause these particular effects on your sense of reality itself have to be 
the only way to truly demonstrate them in fiction and media is to make them these massive, symbolic, grandiose things. You know, the, the, whether it is these little bitey, eyeless monsters that are constantly harassing you and and hiding as little old ladies and and hiding as little kind of like skinhead freaks around the corners and popping up in, when you least expect it. Or that your sense of being able to relate to another person is now totally contingent on this one instance that happened, you know, uh, three years ago when you got slammed into by a, uh, a Mack truck, that <laughs> now that that thing has an, a disproportionate um, hold or significance in your reality going forward... Um, and the, but the idea that that doesn't change, I think, is dangerous, right? Because like you, the the whole premise of the Max is hopefully there is a po- there is a, a possibility to win or succeed. I think it's uh, easy for someone who was in Sam Keith's position in the '90s, who's like a young person, to go like, okay, well, this now this is just how things are. We live in the Maxiverse forever. Or maybe he had the wisdom to to realize, oh, this is a finite thing. Maybe the max is finite because Julie is able to, through the max, like defeat enough of the is or Mr. Gone or what have you to like access a different reality. Um, I mean, this we don't our episode is not going to get to the scope of like answering that, but. Both yeah. of them are demonstrating a similar thing, I think, in a way, uh, which is um, smashing, in some cases, literally these these larger than life problems into your character creates an, a new reality, and you can't just you can't just show what happened to show what happened. If that makes any sense, yeah. like if you just yeah. show a car crash as a car crash in. In the in the the world of of crash, it's not enough to demonstrate to demonstrate what things are really about. I mean, Cronen, Cronenberg's whole premise, I think, maybe is like in not just in Crash, but in in every one of his weird like you know, chest vagina movies or whatever one you take, is that these. The, the experience of your body feels as terrible and alien and strange as his movies show them to be. You know what I mean? Whether it's you, you're pregnant and you have now like a, another thing growing inside of you or the Internet is crazy. So now you're, <laughs> you know, you're, now you're you're firing like flesh guns at, at other other people in a weird quasi video game or whatever the fuck it is. It, it gets it gets to how strange it is to have a body, and and Crash is still in line with that overarching like you know auteur's thesis of having a body is fucking crazy, and if anything maybe the Max is more cerebral, which is maybe the premise of the Max is having a brain is fucking crazy, you know like yeah. be, having a consciousness is fucking nuts, and rather than it being a a car crash, you know the car is the car is symbolic. The car is a trauma, 
And now the the thing that's different is not, you know, I have these um, hot like fishnet arquette, um, you know, like Forrest Gump legs. And now I want to have sex in parking lots with James Spader. But it is now I, <laughs> I, I populate a diverse cartoon nightmare nightmare filled with tiny bitey monsters and so one represents physical damage being understood in a psychological way and one is truly just psychological damage um, in and of itself so that's probably me trying to say something quickly and then getting to who the fuck knows what point but did did any did any of that <laughs> grab you in in one way or the other yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I like the uh, existence reference thrown in there real quick. Ha, you know, I don't <laughs> existence not toward the top of my Cronenbergs, but um, you can't you can't ignore it. It was a thing. You can't ignore existence. You can't because it's unfortunately so more culturally relevant because it's kind of about video games. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they're literally have yeah. like controllers coming out of their like shitty back prosthetic. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> as much as I dislike it in terms of the way it was executed, it's culturally fucking gonna come up all the time. Have you seen the movie Inception? Yeah, I liked it the first time when it was called Existence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It got a lot funnier once they added all the <laughs> Now every fucking movie that gets released in uh, in more than 25 theaters has to have 72 <laughs> Yeah, Inception would have been cool except for everybody dreams about machine gun fights and that's just not true. <laughs> I yeah I've never dreamt of that's true I don't think I've ever f- dreamt about a machine gun fight. If you're gonna dream about a fight, it's gonna I be like my, a slow exacto knife stabbing. Yeah, I've dreamed about gunfights, but my ammo is always wrong, <laughs> which I'm sure says something about myself. I think it's just because you think about gunfights constantly. <laughs> you know, when I go to, when I go to when I go to bed, I think about shooting arrows at people. And I I oh, never yeah? shoot. I don't I don't have like a bow thing. I've been thinking I should get into bows. But when I go to bed, I constantly think about throwing <laughs> axes and shooting bows. I like well, there's something is there's some part That's something we there's can something, do. Pa- there's some part of my brain that really want that really likes using the pieces of the brain to like point something at something and then shoot a projectile in an analog fashion at it. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm ha- no, it's satisfying. Yeah. That's satisfying. My brain just wants to shoot bows at things. I don't know. I am going to get into recurve bows. Blow guns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was a fun thing. All right. Well, um, we did the pontification part. All right. Is, is there any yep. cleanup that you, that you want? Any last points beyond that incredibly profound uh, <laughs> piece that you, you hit about um, trauma? Because that was really great. No, uh, I think that's about it. <laughs> okay. Well, it is. it is what it is. Well, the is. Grab a six pack at your local get go today. <laughs> and 
And now, an exciting new... We have an exciting new intro. We're done with Benicio. Welcome to describing Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. We got... We decided that talking about how Harry and deliciously her suit... Uh, Benicio was, uh, was was getting old as much as we loved him, so we wanted to bring somebody else in to um, to uh, use our uh, vivacious verbiage to just describe uh, one of our favorite actors. Um, he is the comedian from The Watchmen. He is the dad that dies in the the first episode of Weeds. Uh, he is oh, yeah. none other yeah. than We Are Negan. He is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, yeah. He was Negan. <laughs> you forgot that he was... Of all of the ones, that he, isn't he the most famous for being Negan? Isn't that the, isn't yeah. that the top? Ooh. Yes, I just realized how dumb it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, what what, what were did, you I thinking? Forgot he, he was what Negan. do you think as top line for Jeffrey Dean Morgan? The losers. Yeah, because I, yeah, I don't even know what that is, but uh, I'll, I'll have to watch that. Was it was good though? The losers. It was it was really bad, but it was fantastic to watch. Okay, okay. It's, you're gonna like watching it, and then not like thinking about it. You're gonna like how you died. Okay. <laughs> you're gonna like how all of this shit explodes. You're gonna like how this tank runs over these Germans. Um. Yeah. It's well. It's it's. Not a World War II oh. thing in the updated Ah, thing. son of a bitch. Um, yeah, it's a CIA thing. You're gonna, you're gonna like the Mexican-American War. You're gonna like. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep randomly naming wrong, incorrect American conflicts. Uh, you're gonna. <laughs> so in this side by side, the one that I, the one that uh, the picture, it's a from Variety.com side by side. But the one that I, the one that gets me is the one on the right. I don't even want to know what it's from. Um, uh, it, it, uh, it, yeah. Because what strikes me is how he looks. He looks very. He looks. Uh, looks pretty Ronnie, President Ronnie to me. He looks like. He looks like Reagan in this one because of the hair and the like. Yeah. Um, he looks like an uncle at a funeral. With you know, like yeah, I didn't does wear look a, like I didn't wear a tie, but I did wear a collar. My my jacket's got a pattern on it. Um, he does look like Ronnie Reagan. He looks like he could be the governor of California. He definitely looks like he's running for governor of California. He looks like if. Yeah, if you did a weird blend of Gavin Newsom versus like Schwarzenegger, this would be the guy that like the the one in the <laughs> middle of the of the continuum of photos. Like halfway between Gavin Newsom and Schwarzenegger is this picture of Henry of Henry D. Morgan. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. No problemo. Yeah, he looks like he's got a a voracious um, appetite for jelly beans. And ignoring his wife's um, bullshit, <laughs> he looks like he, he looks like he's work putting an incredible amount of effort into ignoring the AIDS crisis uh, right now. It's like, I see it. I'm not going to talk about it. Not even going to think about it. Didn't you know that there's communists out there? <laughs> Didn't you know that there's upwards of 1,100 communists in Chile? Um, 
And <laughs> despite all uh, despite all evidence, the domino theory is still definitely very important. Um, there's <laughs> no chance that if we leave them alone, um, they will handle themselves. Uh, yeah, I specifically don't want to know what what movie or television property this is from. He looks he looks very yeah. handsome in this. He's such a he's such a slight guy. He really benefits from wearing like layers. You know what I mean? In the Negan episodes where he doesn't have the leather jacket, you're like that guy might blow away on the breeze. Um, oh man, I just found out what this picture's from, and you might want to know what. Okay, it is. what's it from? He is playing Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> That's him as Joe DiMaggio. That's oh yeah, where he DiMaggio plays baseball great Joe DiMaggio. Huh, the secret life yeah. of Marilyn Monroe. You know, which is fair because if it's a story about Marilyn Monroe, he was a fucking wife beater, <laughs> and I, yeah. you, you, you <laughs> don't cast J- Henry Dean Morgan anymore if you don't want to be freaking terrified. So um, that's yeah. that's that actually kind of makes sense. I. Um, when I was a kid, I really liked Joe DiMaggio. I was into, I had like a, <laughs> yeah. he was my favorite baseball player for a few years. He was very, very popular in the Hess household. He was one of our favorites until, you know, I got to be like a teenager and I'm like, oh, and he beat up Marilyn Monroe. And I'm like, ah, adulthood's stupid. Uh, well, why do you yeah. have to be complicated? Why can't the guy just hit the, go back to why the Why can't lies. the guy just hit the ball good? What? It's just, yeah. Um, yeah, no shit. But yeah, <laughs> fuck Joe DiMaggio. But yeah, he really did hit that ball good. Um, all right. Well, sure fascinating. Did. I will. I maybe that'll be a good movie. I don't know. It's pro- this photo is probably like seven years old. Let's see. What is it? Twenty fifteen. Oh, pretty close. So um, yeah, probably didn't hear about this because it probably did not get a lot of press. But uh, if it comes up, I will. I will I watch. I tried to watch. Uh, the Secret Life of Marilyn Monroe. What did you try to watch? Yeah. I tried to watch Texas Rising and I fell asleep. Yeah. I feel like that the I feel that it is probably very unlikely that we will get much like legitimate shit about the Texas Rangers because there's you're either going to yeah. get I think you're probably either going to get jingoistic Texas douchebags who are going to be like culty about it and not describe it in any kind of rational way. Or you're gonna, or you're gonna get like, um, I don't know, like liberal kombucha fuckfaces who want to, yeah, who want to like show way. the real underbelly of what's under the rock, and uh, and uh, unfor- and I don't yeah. think, I think, uh, you know, eh, but that maybe that's the, the case of any law enforcement entity, but. I think I I think it's a shame because I think if you got a really straight story about the Texas Rangers, it would probably be fascinating as fuck. Um, who knows? I mean, yeah. maybe this is good, but uh, like I don't know. I don't know. I I was really sleepy. <laughs> I'm not I'm well, not saying yeah, that it's like you, boring you, or anything. If you watch it again, I'm curious. I'm curious what you think. You know, what was the one? I'll try to watch. I just heard that I've I'll I've, watch I've, the Cowboys. I've heard things. that the one with um. Old, uh, old, what's he? What's his name? Shit. Uh, wh- what's the guy yeah. from Cheers? Um, <laughs> oh, um, oh my God, Sam, Sam, Sam. Kinison, the Texas, Sam t- Texas Rangers versus Bonnie okay. and Clyde's William H Macy. <laughs> 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 Fuck. 
the body and Clyde. The body and Clyde can suck Ed my o- big fucking dick. Oh my god. Ed O'Neill. <laughs> Ed, Ed O'Neill. What's his fucking <laughs> name? <laughs> Holy shit, Ted Danson. No, not Ted Danson. Uh, well, I forgot his Ted name too. Danson. Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> Woody Harrelson. Harrelson. (laughs) There, I went through half of them. Okay, the one, the Texas, there's like a, a, there's one where they're they're hunting. George Went. (laughs) Yeah, the one where George Went is a Texas Ranger hunting down Body and Clyde. No, where Woody Harrelson, the Highwayman, the Highwayman is a 2019 American period crime drama that stars Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson as the Texas Rangers who took down Bonnie and Clyde from their perspective. But I... I, Oh, I saw that. Well, I didn't. Why 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 am I the one doing all the work here? Um, I just I just heard that it was it was very very biased and unrealistic and and silly because the Texas Rangers were very very effectively made to look like complete cucks for like about I don't know what what five or ten years however long the Bonnie and Clyde gang ran around I mean the Bonnie and Clyde gang were around for a yeah. real goddamn long time uh, 21, yeah. 21 months still a long fucking time to get away with fucking killing people and robbing banks. Um, I mean, I know the Dust Bowl was a different reality, but still. Anyway. Uh, oh, here's something people apparently ask frequently. Did Clyde really love Bonnie? <laughs> I think that they did. I would recommend. I yeah, mean, I, th- I, think, I think that's probably a strong relationship. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to have too much, too, too many times where I cite the last podcast, but if, if anybody's listening to us that really is into Bonnie and Clyde and have not listened to the last podcast coverage, they do four or five episodes in a real, real deep run on the, the Bonnie and Clyde gang over their um, over their reign and <laughs> their origins and their characters beforehand and it's really good. So if you're if you're into uh, true crime history, check out last podcast on the left's coverage of um, of Bonnie and Clyde because it's really good. It's like it was only a couple years ago. Um, he, let's say here, Henry Dean Morgan standing, looking like a stoic. Yeah, Reagan. he's a little bit. He looks a little um, bit too like straight down the middle, white to be Joe DiMaggio. But that's not how you cast. That's not how you yeah, cast. Yeah, I movies. don't see Joe DiMaggio. But you know, who gives a shit? I mean, you're not going to put a prosthetic yeah. like uh, nose on him to get him to look more uh, Italiano. Yeah, Jeffrey Jeffrey Dean Morgan has this. I wouldn't call it really a problem because it ends up not being a problem, but he has a charisma that makes it so that you're watching Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. And if he's supposed to be somebody else, then you don't see that other person. You see Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, for sure. He's (laughs) being an awesome charismatic guy. He's got the the same quality that we mentioned in in, in a previous episode where whatever the fuck's going on. Well, we talked about it about Tom Tom Clancy. We talked about it about um, Clancy (laughs) Brown in uh, the Highlander episode, which is even if there's a even if there's a uh, a 1980s page three sex worker model in the background, you're still paying attention to Clancy Brown because yeah. he's so evocative. <laughs> and uh, I think it's the same thing with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Is you know like la- literally last night we were actually walking watching a um, the Walking Dead episode from one of the recent seasons and. Um, uh, my partner had not seen the episode and it's, it's part of, uh, Negan's like restoration arc. 
and she was feeling really ambivalent about rooting for him and and him like coming back. Yeah. But I'm like, that's the thing. He's career. He's, he, they, they cast him for a reason. He's yeah. charismatic as fuck. You, you, you hate him, yeah, but you the, like the him. The comedian. Yeah, the comedian is a terrible, terrible character. Yes, absolutely. Like, the comedian is the bad oh, guy. Yeah. It, it's like, no questions asked. The comedian's like the one of the biggest fucking villains in The Watchmen. But Jeffrey Dean Morgan... As the comedian, you're like rooting yeah. for this guy. You're like, look at that guy. Look how sad yeah, he is. That's it, a shame. You know, that's the, <laughs> and, and it's important casting because you need to make your villains not just despicable, but also enjoyable. Yeah, Gary, yeah the same thing with Gary Oldman in Dracula is you like oh, Gary Oldman no matter what he's doing. You know, he can he can play yeah. Uh, yeah. he can play any kind of miserable psychopath. But you still you're loving him being on screen. He's an enjoyable guy. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan, handsome and charming. Take that, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Handsome and charming. You son of a bitch. Take that. <laughs> um, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so another dev- devastating takedown of a of a Hollywood actor by uh, Gavin and Hess on Oops All Monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Does the is make bitchin' van art? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think so, because you got, I mean, it's a gra- It's from a graphic novel. You get the Max in there. You can do the Outback with Julie, like, wearing the leopard yeah. bikini thing. It's very, it's ju- it's juicy. You yeah. can make the van purple rather than even having the Max on it and have, like, yellow highlights on the, sh- you know? Yeah. That'd be fucking badass. Go. So the 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 official take is yes, the is our bitchin' van art. There you go, bazinga. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. If you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes, it really does help. Share an, epi- share an episode on your favorite social media. Hit up our Instagram. As a reminder, if you want to see the Jeffrey Dean Morgans and Benicios and Maxes and Izzes and everything that we're looking at as we're do- making the show, it really does enhance it. So get on our Instagram um, for each episode. And then comment on the Instagrams. Uh, comment something like monsters that you would want to see. Or email us your suggestions on what monsters we should cover. And email us your gaming stories. We can't get enough of them. That's, uh, the email address is oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. It's oopsallmonsters, one word, at gmail.com. Okay, and if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oops. All monsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. Okay, with that, I have been Hess. And I've been Gavin. And this has been Oops. All, Oops. all monsters. Oops. They bite you. I'm going to stop recording. Uh, Yep. I got 138.
Yeah, um, so, uh, yeah, I sell, it's like Bespoke Post, except in every box is, uh, two jolt, jolt colas. It's, a uh, two jolt colas <laughs> in a, uh, um, a, a, Shasta. Um, yeah, a Shasta, uh, a Max toy, a pair of Jinko jeans, and, um, a Sega Genesis. <laughs> yeah. 